I've been voting there since 1968. I wonder why I was deleted in the first place. Yeah, we all do. Although we probably know why. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, in Cottage Grove on KSO, and in Eugene on KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, just to name a few. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today um so i saw a news headline uh at nbc nbc news today desi doyan okay it read super earth exoplanet discovered orbiting a star just six light years away from our sun oh wow So what does it say about the state of the world that when I saw that headline, the first thing that occurred to me was, wow, that sounds nice. Can I go there? (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, kind of, uh, yeah. Signposts of where we are. Yeah, (laughs) where I am anyway, where my brain is. I was over at NBC looking at a story, uh, and I saw that headline because I was looking at a story on the Florida election recount mess. Which began this way, quote, a federal judge blasted Florida legislators and election officials during a Thursday hearing to extend the recount deadline in Palm Beach County, saying that the state is, quote, the laughingstock of the world, election after election, and we choose not to fix this. Well, that seems unfair to Georgia. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I guess that's more of a crying stock, frankly, than a laughing stock in Georgia, given how sad their voters are treated in election after election with their legislators and election official- officials also choosing not to fix these issues. And in fact, under Republican Secretary of State Brian Kemp's watch as he was running for governor this year, purposely working hard to make everything much worse for voters in the Peach State. I guess he uh, doesn't care that his election, if he's successful in his race against Democrat Stacey Abrams, will forever be seen as illegitimate at this point. But you know what? 
That didn't bother George W. Bush either. So uh, for two terms. So that's where we are. Uh, more on the latest out of Georgia in a bit. And yes, from the national laughing stock we call Florida, where a blizzard of court challenges and rulings are all going on at this hour. We've got some uh, new breaking news on that as well coming up here shortly that just broke before air. And uh, also in um, still sadder news, the uh, death toll continues to rise in the California wildfires out here now the deadliest in at least 100 years across the entire nation. Yes, it is uh, not just the state's deadliest wildfire, but the nation's deadliest wildfire in modern times. And we've got news uh, on the new crop of Democratic leaders who are preparing to take their seats in Congress and are already pushing for action on climate change. So, Desi Doyne, you will be back whether you like it or not, with a Green News report on all of that and uh, and more. And yes. some accountability news at the EPA, by the way. Some uh, happier news, however, at least for Democrats, at least for Democrats who support ranked choice voting. It looks like it worked out well for them this year in Maine's 2nd Congressional District today. A federal judge on Thursday declined to halt tabulations under Maine's new voting system, putting the uh, state of Maine on the path to declaring a winner in the second of its two U.S. House races up there and Democrats on a path to flip yet another Republican seat. Republican U.S. Congressman Bruce Poliquin is ch was challenging the constitutionality, I guess he still is, uh, of Maine's ranked choice voting system, sometimes known as instant runoff, which was used for the first time ever in congressional races. Last week in Maine, the U.S. District Judge Lance Walker declined to intervene to stop the counting process as Poliquin had uh, sued. The lawsuit will remain alive because the judge did not rule on the constitutionality of the system, yet he did let counting move ahead. The most expensive congressional race in state history up in Maine pitted Democrat Jared Golden, a Marine Corvette, against Poliquin, the two-term incumbent. The judge's decision cleared election officials to run the final numbers and declare a winner as based on a computer algorithm that is used to determine the winner of ranked-choice voting contests. Spokesman for Poliquin said, if Congressman Poliquin prevails in the rank vote algorithm, we will still prevail with constitutional concerns. Well, their concerns or their legal argument in any event is that ranked choice voting gives some voters more than one vote. Essentially, that's their argument. The, the way it works is that voters get to rank the order of who they would like to win from first to last in a contest. So I think there was about four different candidates or so in this congressional race up in Maine in the 2nd District. If no candidate wins more than 50% of the vote in the initial tally, then the last place candidate is removed from the counting and uh, the votes for second place on his or her voters' ballots are then allocated well, actually, his his or her votes for second, third, fourth, whatever, are then allocated to other candidates. And then they keep running it through the computer until someone eventually wins. Someone eventually gets more than 50 percent of the vote. Got Un that? Until the computer <laughs> tells us who right. won the vote. Exactly. Poliquin's argument against it is that it means some people get several chances to vote. 
So uh, someone who voted him for him for first uh, place gets that one vote while the other people got to vote for the fourth place finisher and then their vote got moved to the third place, second place, so forth. And while that argument may not win the day, if you think it's difficult to track vote counts right now in places like Georgia and Florida and everywhere else, if you're worried about how the computer is reading those ballots or not, just wait until ranked choice voting kicks in and everything is decided by a computer algorithm that is virtually impossible to oversee. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of Democrats and third party folks uh, who, who like ranked choice voting because in theory it might give third parties uh, a, a better chance and help avoid the whole spoiler issue. But I'm not a fan, as I've said before. But anyway, this is where we are in Maine right now. In, in, in Maine, in the first round of voting on Election Day last week, that ended with Poliquin, the Republican, and Golden, the Democrat, both collecting 46% of the first-place votes, with the Republican maintaining an edge of about 2,000 votes above the Democrat. That would be in the initial count. And that would have meant a Poliquin victory under Maine's old voting system. The old first past the post, you know, whoever gets uh, the majority wins or a plurality wins. So Poliquin would have won under uh, under the old system, and that led Poliquin to declare himself, when they got those numbers, to declare himself, quote, the fair and square winner. But neither candidate secured a majority in the first round, which triggered the additional voting rounds, and then Poliquin's lawsuit. He also claimed that when Maine voters adopted this system by a ballot initiative, state ballot initiative back in 2016, his second congressional district had voted against that ballot initiative. Anyway, in his decision, the judge said that it doesn't appear that the U.S. Constitution prohibits an election uh, process with more than one round of ballot counting. He wrote, moreover, for this court to change the rules of the election after the votes have been cast could well offend due process. So today, the final computer algorithms were finally run after uh, the judge's decision, and the Democrat Golden was, in fact, declared the winner with 50.5% of the vote versus 49.5% for the incumbent Republican, despite that, that Republican having been the first choice of more voters than the Democrat Golden. But Golden is been, has been declared the winner. Uh, that's how ranked choice voting works, and that's what Maine voters wanted. So... With that, that brings, uh, barring any changes, the Democratic pickup in the U.S. House is now 35 seats at least, with at least four more undecided races either leaning toward or trending towards the Democrats for what could be a 39-seat majority, blue wave majority sweeping into the House in January, as we uh, suggested yesterday. That is a huge pickup unseen in decades for Democrats, no matter what the media told you on election night and whatever Donald Trump has been telling you in the days that followed. So we will continue to keep our eyes on those still being counted House races. But uh, speaking of undecided races, the uh, New York Times covers it this way. The nuns at Zena Rodriguez's Catholic school in the Bronx thwacked her knuckles to punish sloppy handwriting 
So she was shocked when her mail-in ballot in Florida was rejected because her signature did not match the one on record with election officials. Ms. Rodriguez, a registered Democrat, found the rejection notice in her mailbox at 7 p.m. the night before the November 6 election, but that was two hours after the deadline for appealing such rejections had already passed. It was too late to do anything about it. When she uh, protested at the Palm Beach County Board of Elections, the next day she learned that the uh, culprit was a driver's license signature on her record that was hastily squiggled onto an electronic signature pad two years earlier at the DMV. That, she discovered, cost her her vote in this year's crucial, crucial midterm elections. Now, have you ever used one of those pads to sign something? Yeah, they're a mess. Right. Do you think your actual signature looks anything like the the scribble that you're able to put onto one of those electronic pads? Of course not. Nonetheless, that was used to reject Zena Rodriguez's uh, ballot in this year's midterm elections. Rodriguez said there were 13 amendments on that ballot. The only reason I chose to do a write-in was because I wanted to research all the questions. I was fulfilling my responsibility, and all of that got thrown away because I wanted to get out of the DMV office as fast as I could. She said it is incredibly upsetting. Now, this is also one of the reasons why I am no fan of vote-by-mail either. I know there's, again, like with ranked choice voting, there's a lot of Democrats out there uh, who think vote by mail is a great idea. But this is just one of the problems with vote by mail. A lot of ballots get tossed out that would not get tossed out if you voted on Election Day at the polling place or even in early voting, which I also have problems with. But you know what? I'm, I'm glad that people vote any way they can. But if you want to maximize your vote, do it on Election Day on a hand-marked paper ballot. I'll just keep saying that. The issue of faulty signatures, the time notes, especially on mail-in ballots, has emerged as a central point of contention in the county-by-county county recounts now taking place in Florida, with all sorts of lawsuits happening at the same time. A week or so ago, we reported on this very same problem that former Congressman Patrick Murphy had in Florida when his ballot was also rejected for what election officials who have no expertise, by the way, or training and handwriting analysis, election officials had judged Congressman Patrick Murphy's signature to be a mismatch on his vote by mail ballot. He wrote about it uh, in a USA Today op-ed few days after the election, once he discovered at the county website that his ballot had been rejected. He said, I've been a registered voter for over 15 years, an active Palm Beach County voter for six. And yet that wasn't enough to get my ballot added to the official tally. He wrote, my vote wasn't actually logged until Election Day, according to the Palm Beach Elections website. So there is no remedy, he said, to my situation after the fact. So unless that's changed by the county canvassing board, he wrote, or a legal challenge filed by Senator Bill Nelson, the judgment call made by an elect unelected county employee to reject my vote will stand. And, you know, again, if he was notified 
prior to, uh, let's see, the day before, if he was able to get somehow to the headquarters by 5 p.m. the night before the election, even though vote-by-mail ballots can show up the day of the election, he might have been able to fix this. But in this case, he wasn't, thanks to the way Florida runs their elections. Well, we've got some good news today, potentially for Congressman Murphy and also for Zena Rodriguez. On Thursday, Judge Mark Walker of the Federal District Court in Tallahassee ruled that voters whose ballots were invalidated by mismatches, signature mismatches, that they would now have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday. I'm sorry, Saturday, this Friday, this Saturday. Get it right, Brad. This Saturday, 5 p.m., they can still resolve the problem and get their votes counted. This new deadline would apply to just over 4,000 rejected ballots that can now be counted if voters are able to cure it in time, if they're able to get to their uh, county board of elections and say, yes, that's me, that's my ballot, please count it. Bring an ID, by the way, when you go, photo ID. The ruling that the state law as applied was unconstitutional. Judge Walker wrote that the county election officials could reject the ballots, quote, with no standards, an illusory process to cure and no process to challenge the rejection. According to uh, Washington Post, Walker said that the plaintiffs, um, the uh, Florida Democratic Party and uh, Democratic Senator Bill Nelson's campaign had established irreparable injury here to the constitutional rights of citizens to cast their ballots and to have them counted. And he noted that specifically that uh, while the deadline to submit a a mail-in ballot was 7 p.m. on Election Day, the deadline to cure A mismatched signature on a mail-in ballot was 5 p.m. on Monday, the day before. Many of the ballots uh, now given a second chance probably belong to traditionally Democratic voters, especially young people. Still, they would not be enough on their own, even if all of them went to uh, Senator Bill Nelson. They would not be enough for uh, Nelson uh, to overcome a current about 12,500 vote lead held by Florida Governor Rick Scott in the U.S. Senate race there in Florida. Scott is his Republican challenger. So even if all of them went to Nelson right now, it wouldn't be enough to overcome that lead. But there are other issues with other ballots uh, that we'll be uh, talking about here. Uh, Nelson had argued in his lawsuit that, in fact, tens of thousands of vote-by-mail ballots had been inappropriately rejected. Judge Walker, who is an an Obama appointee to the federal bench, uh, he only allowed about 4,000 of those to be cured uh, if Florida voters can do it by Saturday. The Nelson team had wanted those uh, ballots simply added to the totals. Just go ahead and count them. But now voters are going to have to act quickly to fight to get those ballots included in the count at all. Times notes that the signature battle touches on constitutional questions of equal protection and free speech, but is rooted in larger societal trends that are rapidly rendering an individual's handwriting an unreliable hallmark to be used in elections. This at a time when vote by mail ballots and voting is exploding across the country. 
even with these untrained partisan election officials using signatures to determine whether some ballots will be tallied at all. A particular vulnerability was documented in a study that was submitted in the case by the uh, the study was by the ACLU of Florida, which found that young voters were more likely to have their mail in ballots rejected because, in part, they did not use their handwriting enough to develop a steady signature. Which is something that I hadn't thought of. They, no, you know, you're right. Young None folks. of us write by hand as much as we used to, and it must be particularly acute for young people. Yep. I mean, even when I try to write by hand now, my handwriting is now a mess. It's a disaster. It was never great. That's true. But, I, I mean, I have a really hard time writing by hand now because I just don't do it very often. It takes too long. Uh, yeah, it takes too long, and, you know, young voters don't do it at all. And uh, as Daniel Smith, the election expert and at uh, the University of Florida in their uh, political science department, said uh, in this report, younger voters don't have firm identity. Their signature is in flux. They are living in a digital world. And as a result, their signature isn't a permanent measure of their identity. And therefore, their ballots get thrown out at a uh, at a higher rate than uh, other age groups. Most schools, he notes, no longer teach penmanship, and only about 10 states still retain cursive writing requirements in their curriculum guide. Really? Yeah. So uh, some of these signatures, one that was you know, included as an example of a signature was a uh, painstaking, as it's described by the Times, painstaking but unsteady block lettering. That's what was used by this voter as their signature. As well, businesses are phasing out the use of signatures as well. Uh, for example, in uh, Target and Walmart quit collecting them. This year, after uh, the uh, four of the largest uh, credit card networks, Amex, MasterCard, Visa, Discover, stopped requiring them in the U.S. to verify transactions. So they're not even getting practice when they go to Target as far as signing their name, even if it was on an electronic pad that's impossible to sign. Nonetheless, this is still what we are using. And uh, certainly in Florida, it's the main means of identifying voters in Florida and many other states, despite the fact that signatures have been shown through this research that they change over time as people age and as they become ill and they fall out of practice or they're simply in a rush. People should not be denied their right to vote because of penmanship, but that's exactly what is happening, said Sophia Lakin, a staff, a staff attorney with the ACLU Voting Rights Project. The organization has won cases on this in New Hampshire and in California. Preliminary data provided by the Secretary of State in Florida showed that the greatest number of ballots rejected on signature issues was in Palm Beach County, which happens to be a Democratic stronghold. So Judge Walker chastised lawyers for the Republicans for making unsubstantiated claims that voter fraud was the reason that these ballots were rejected. He also seemed troubled that the lawyers working on behalf of the Democrats were, in effect, asking him to rewrite Florida election law by requesting that local officials simply disregard the signature issue and just go ahead and count the ballots as is. 
Mark Elias, a lawyer representing the Democrats, uh, said that the solution was to do away with the signature cross-check altogether and just require voters to sign a form attesting to their identity. He said, we don't need untrained people making judgments about something they know nothing about. So this problem is even worse than many understand, especially in places like Laughingstock, Florida. Cheryl Fries, a healthcare recruiter in Florida, in Jupiter, Florida, said she had registered for early voting. She walked into her precinct one week before the election with her driver's license and her voter ID card with her. But she was turned back because the signature that she entered on a touchscreen did not match the one on file. This is when she had her driver's license and her voter ID card sent to her by the county. And yet she was still rejected. She then got another chance to sign on this uh, electronic touchscreen, and this time it was accepted. She said she was not going to walk away. She's been voting in Palm Beach County 17 years. The election was very important to her. She said she was not leaving without casting a vote. But, of course, she was lucky because she happened to be there when her signature was rejected because she was voting in person. But thousands of vote-by-mail voters in Florida and elsewhere across the country were not as lucky. Some of them now may have a chance to fix the problem and get their votes counted, at least if they work quickly in Florida by Saturday. And that's, of course, if they even know that they were one of the rejected voters in this case. So check your county website, Florida voters, vote-by-mail voters in Florida. Check it quick. The machine recount of three statewide races now across Florida reached its deadline on Thursday with the too-close-to-call Senate race poised to head to a manual recount beginning immediately in some of the counties and heading into the weekend. And Republicans are looking to claim all but official victory at this point, at least in the governor's uh, race. Palm Beach County's election supervisor said less than an hour before the absurdly short and completely arbitrary 3 p.m. deadline on Thursday that Palm Beach could not finish the machine recount in any of the three statewide races that are still in question, thanks to the old, slow computer scanners that are used in the very large and Democratic-leaning county. We gave it everything we had. I'm very proud of my team. I'm proud that we had partners at Palm Beach County. And we are a good election office, and I have a great team. I think that we just got stuck with some mechanical issues that were inherited. So that was Susan Booker, the uh, election supervisor in Palm Beach County, Florida, saying, hey, we tried, but we just couldn't make it because the computers would not take the ballots. Uh, quickly enough to count even one of the races, much less uh, all three of these statewide races. And there was also a uh, a, a local state uh, uh, Senate race uh, that is supposed to be recounted in Palm Beach as well. So now Palm Beach and the other counties are moving on to the manual recount of ballots uh, that the uh, computers had showed had either no vote on them at all or more than one vote. In the senator's race, in which Governor Rick Scott currently leads Senator Bill Nelson by uh, about, uh, as I said, fewer than 13,000, about 12,500 votes out of more than 8 million cast. In the governor's race, former Congressman Ron DeSantis 
held a 0.41% lead over Tallahassee Democratic Mayor Andrew Gillum at the start of the recount. Uh, That is outside of the 0.25, that's one quarter of a percent threshold that would be required for Florida's version of a hand manual count. I don't believe the tallies are yet in from the recount in either contest. As we go to air, I have been watching for them. But uh, early on Thursday, after U.S. District Judge Mark Walker had ruled concerning those 4,000 signature mismatch voters and giving them the extra two days to try to cure that problem, which, by the way, Rick Scott's campaign said they are appealing. They're appealing that decision to give the right to uh, these voters, these 4,000 voters who, even if they all went for the Democrat, would not end up uh, taking the election away on their own from Rick Scott. Anyway, uh, after that ruling, uh, in another case, Judge Walker later ruled that uh, he would not extend the recount deadlines Across the uh, across the state, as Nelson had sought, he had rejected the Democrats motion to give counties more time to finish, even after Palm Beach County had warned that even, you know, literally working around the clock as they were 24 seven over the past several days, even with that, they would not be able to finish on time because of the limitation of the computers which they use, which, by the way, continue to overheat throughout the week and miscount ballots. So they had to stop. Walker said he was concerned that some counties may not complete their work by the deadline, but said there is a lack of information on when Palm Beach County would actually wrap up so he could not fashion a remedy in the dark. So apparently there is no remedy other than to use the original computer reported numbers that were reported last Saturday, whether they are right or wrong, at least in Palm Beach County. We'll never know if they're right or wrong, but those are the numbers Uh, that we will now be using in this so-called recount ballots that were never recounted at all or examined by human beings at all. And uh, but and and that's the judge, by the way, who's calling everyone else a laughingstock today. So uh, now uh, that's what we have. Um, Florida's version of a hand count now begins in all 67 counties. But just before air, Just in um, from Mark Elias, the Democratic election attorney uh, representing Bill Nelson. He says, breaking, we have sued Palm Beach County and the Florida Secretary of State to require a hand count of all ballots in the county due to systemic machine failure during the machine recount. So that's just in. The Democrats want to hand count every ballot in the uh, in the Florida. That's about 700,000 ballots. And I think that would be fantastic, at least if we want to know who actually won or lost the Senate race in at least Palm Beach County. And it ain't difficult. They use hand-marked paper ballots. You make two stacks. You put uh, uh, Rick Scott's uh, votes here. You put Bill Nelson's votes there. And then you count the stacks. It ain't that hard. But just wait until they argue about how difficult this would be. In the meantime, officials in Broward County, another Democratic stronghold, said the manual recount expected in the Senate race would begin at 7 a.m. on Friday with 100 tables set up with two election workers, two campaign representatives and two party representatives at each table. 
according to instructions that were given, uh, distributed by election officials. Only the election workers are allowed to handle ballots. They must wear gloves while they do. So uh, in Broward County, maybe we'll find out why there were 31,000 undervotes in the U.S. Senate race reported by the computer tally in Broward. That's a far higher undervote race than uh, rate than anywhere else. And uh, where even the Agriculture Commissioner's race received more votes than the U.S. Senate race for some reason on the ESNS um uh, optical scan uh, computer scanners that they use to tally handmarked paper ballots in Broward County. The uh, recount is scheduled for 11 hour days on Friday and Saturday with two 30 minute breaks each day. And then the deadline is noon on Sunday. Why Sunday? No particular reason. The first tallies out here in California will not even be completed until the end of the first week of December. And back in 2008, Republicans held up a hand count in the U.S. Senate race between Norm Coleman and Al Franken up in Minnesota for eight months before Franken was finally seated in July of 2009. But, you know, got to get them done by Sunday in Florida because, you know, it's Florida and they expect the Republican to win. So hurry! Quick break, and we are back with more on the Bradcast. Trouble in Georgia as well. That continues straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Yeah. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. This was a letter to the editor from uh, the Kansas City Star yesterday uh, that I caught uh, thanks to a Daily Coast poster. Um, How is it possible, is the headline. Watching the challenges to election results in various states, it seems the Republicans are posing a telling question. After our extensive gerrymandering of districts, after our efforts in voter suppression aimed primarily at minorities and the poor, after making voter registration more difficult, and after severe purging of voter rolls, how could we possibly lose an election without massive fraud by the Democrats? Good question, uh, Lee Kirchhoff of Blue Springs, Kansas. Now, I know for many, uh, frankly, both Republicans and Democrats, making uh, making sure voters uh, can vote and, and that votes are counted, that this is all a kind of a partisan thing. Not for me. If you've followed uh, the Bradcast or read the Bradblog.com over the years, you know that is not the case for me. I believe that our only hope in this country is democracy, or at least our version of it, and that if, if that is broken, so is everything else in this country. And I think the last couple of decades have kind of bared that out. 
Too many people have fought and, yes, died for the right to vote in this country to make it nothing more than a partisan political issue. So that is not what it is to me. This is what Christine Jordan, a 92-year-old black woman in Georgia, uh, who has voted at the same precinct in Georgia since 1968 for 50 years. This is what she had to go to, 92 years old. This year, under Secretary of State Brian Kemp, who purged about one million voters for some reason from the voting rolls since 2016. Now, Jordan had apparently uh, been removed for some reason from the voting rolls, even though she had been voting in the same place for 50 years. A lot of people do move out of the state or to a different county or, yes, they die, so they're legitimately removed from the rolls. But many, tens if not hundreds of thousands, were reportedly wrongly purged from the rolls under Brian Kemp, the Secretary of State, who now hopes to become the governor who had been seeing overseeing his own election against Democrat Stacey Abrams. So this is a, this is a short piece put together by now this explaining what 92 year old Christine Jordan had to go through in order to try and cast a vote at all in Georgia this year at the polling place to try and cast a ballot. Uh, and in this case, to try and cast a provisional ballot since she found she was no longer on the rolls for some reason. And a provisional ballot, just so you know, if you don't, is not supposed to be denied to anybody for any reason if they are not otherwise on the on the voting rolls and they wish to vote provisionally. So even a fight to cast a normal ballot, that's not what this is. She's talking about fighting over a provisional ballot, which took, according to this interview with her granddaughter, Jessica Lawrence, who was thankfully there to help, about two and a half hours. So what happened was when we got in, I was trying to take care of all the information. Like I filled out her card and allowed her to sign it. And then I waited in line in order to get my ballot card as well as her ballot card. So she actually has one of the newer driver's licenses, although she doesn't drive anymore. It has the Georgia Star on it, meaning she had all the proper documentation. So they scanned my driver's license and I didn't have any issues. However, when they went to scan her driver's license, it nothing was coming up. I said, what Jessica's doing up this? I said, because when I call, I just bring what I'm supposed to bring. And the young lady scanned it about five times. Then she attempted to do a manual search. She did it by her first as well as her middle name. She also did it by her maiden name and nothing came up. Statewide, nothing came up either. At this point, I'm getting a little emotional because my grandmother can't, like, like I feel as if my grandmother isn't going to be able to vote. I've been voting there since 1968. I was told that she couldn't have a provisional ballot if they could not find her voter rolls or her voter record because they have to have something to match the provisional ballot to. And I was just like, this, this isn't right. This doesn't sound right. So that's when the poll watcher approached me. He said, hey, I want you to call this number. This is for voter protection. So we stepped outside, and I um, I left her inside. Didn't know what was going on until she came and told me. The agent that was on the phone stated she wanted me to go back inside and ask for a provisional ballot once again. So I did, um, and there was a little hesitation. It was just like, you know, we don't know if this is right or whatever, but they still gave us the provisional ballot. While my parents worked, I spent a lot of time with my grandma. So through the years, like, I've gone to this polling place with her and voted with her. When I was there, I'm just like, oh, we'll be in and out. It'll be a breeze, 15, 20 minutes top. I didn't think that I would be there, like, two and a half hours. 
why is there a double standard for identification for people of color? Well, I wonder why I was deleted in the first place. So they must have thought I was dead. Still just as alive as I ever been. I, I just don't understand why I was deleted. This was like the 50th anniversary of her voting in this community, and there's a possibility that her vote didn't count. There's been a lot of change over the years, but nevertheless, she and a few others have been staples in this community. I've seen a slow change, and it's like, at the end of the day, I know it's not a fraction of what the people before me had to deal with, so I suck it up and keep moving. But on election day this year, it was just really emotional because it kind of took me back to a fraction of what they experienced. Like, I know history repeats itself, but I never expected it to repeat itself in this manner for something she's already gone through once. That was the story of Christine Jordan, 92-year-old African-American woman in Georgia fighting to just vote with a provisional ballot. Who knows if it was actually counted? Who knows, by the way, uh, how many other voters were turned away because they weren't on the rolls and they were not given provisional ballots? Like, thankfully, uh, her, her granddaughter figured out how to fight for and get one. So, yeah, that's why I fight for voting rights and for the count of every voter in this country. And the media has already moved on from all yeah. of this. And we have to not move on because this is going to come back again and again and again and again as it has, you know, for the decades that you've been covering this. Democrats in Georgia uh, were ratcheting up their attacks on Republican Brian Kemp. Um, he claimed on Wednesday that the results certified by county election officials confirm that he has a, quote, insurmountable lead in the governor's race. At a news conference, Georgia Democrats cast doubt on the legitimacy of any election count that ends with the former secretary of state being certified as the winner of this election against Stacey Abrams, who hopes to become the first black woman elected governor in the U.S. Her uh, Abrams campaign manager, Lauren Grow Wargo, said, we believe that Brian Kemp mismanaged this election to sway it in his favor. And Democrats beyond Georgia now have started to echo the notion that a Kemp victory would be illegitimate, according to the AP. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown uh, said on Wednesday that if Abrams loses, it's because Republicans stole the election. He said, quote, if Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, they stole it. I say that publicly. It's clear, he said. Since Kemp declared himself governor last week and resigned as secretary of state on the same day, Kemp's lead has narrowed as counties continue to tabulate more and more ballots and the numbers could change again as federal courts issue new guidance, as the lawsuits continue to fly in Georgia as well as in Florida regarding the counting of certain provisional and absentee ballots. The uh, campaign Abrams campaign manager Gro Wargo said on Tuesday that the Abrams campaign believes she needs a net gain of about 17,700 votes to pull Kemp below a majority threshold in order to force a runoff on uh, December 4th. Right now, I think last I checked, he was at uh, 0.26 I believe it was, or maybe, no, I don't have the number in front of me here. A very tiny amount, basically, yeah. uh, 0.26 above the 50% mark. 
Kemp's campaign said that even if every vote that the Abrams campaign is arguing for is granted by the courts and counted for her, that she still cannot overcome his lead or force a runoff. Meanwhile, um, U.S. District Judge Steve Jones ruled that the Secretary of State in Georgia must not certify the state election results without confirming that each county's vote tally includes absentee ballots on which the voter's date of birth is missing or incorrect. Yes, some of those ballots uh, were tossed out because they were missing that information, which frankly should not matter, a birth date, or they had it on there, but it was transposed, the month and the day were transposed, uh, or uh, it was missing the year or the date was, in fact, the date that the ballot was signed rather than the voter's birth date. None of which should matter to counting these votes. Signature issues were also a problem in Georgia, with some counties tossing out more ballots than others, predominantly African-American ones. But some of those ballots, thankfully, were ordered to be counted by the courts. Judge Jones, however, declined to extend the period during which evidence could be submitted to prove the eligibility of voters who had cast provisional ballots, voters like Christine Jordan. He also declined to order that provisional ballots cast by voters who went to a precinct in the wrong county that those be counted. Why? Don't know. Even if they're shown to be on the rolls, why not count their votes? Now, state law sets a November 20 deadline for uh, state certification. That is next week before which many of these issues could be resolved. But the uh, elections director, the secretary of state's office's election director, Chris Harvey, said last week that the state planned to certify the election results immediately Wednesday of this past week, a day after the counties had certified their results. No waiting. Now, a federal court has held that state certification deadline off until Friday of this week, at least. But really, there's no reason that couldn't wait till November 20, which is the state deadline. But the election director, uh, Chris Harvey, says that he's he's in a rush now because they got to start prepping to begin for any runoff contests, including those already projected in races for Public Service Commission and, hello, Secretary of State. That is heading to a runoff on December 4. Uh, So they're very eager to get on to that, even though they don't know who won the governor's race and if there should be a runoff there. Uh, State lawmakers were gathered uh, at the Georgia Capitol on Tuesday to begin a special legislative session. Dozens of protesters were gathered there uh, chanting, count every vote, waving signs. Police arrested 15 people, including, as we mentioned on yesterday's show, State Senator Nakima Williams. She's a state senator, a Democrat from Atlanta. She was arrested. She gave a tearful speech on the Senate floor on Wednesday, saying that she was booked and strip searched at the Fulton County Jail. Got that? The police strip searched a state senator who also happens to be. African-American. She was held for five hours. She said she didn't do anything to obstruct anyone from doing their job or their business on the floor. She said what I did was I stood with my constituents as they wanted their voices to be heard. The Georgia Constitution, by the way, says that legislators, quote, shall be free from arrest during sessions of the General Assembly except for treason, felony or breach of the peace. 
She was doing none of those things. Four Democratic lawmakers delivered remarks uh, condemning her arrest. Zero Republican senators stood to address Williams's address. So, uh, yes, as I had been warning for weeks, I see no way that a Kemp win here can be considered legitimate in the state of uh, Georgia at this point. But some people apparently do not care. Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance, the nonpartisan group that has filed many of these challenges to Georgia's horrific election system. She shared a few thoughts on Twitter today. She said, Georgia's election meltdown is the natural result of ignoring science. The voting systems scientists have been warning this could happen, but hundreds of election officials in the state with power to avoid it refused to act. Parties, candidates, voters all ignored the risk. They all decided they could take a chance that computer systems needed no management, audits or paper trails. They decided that it was all fine to outsource the voter registration system with few controls, no need to reconcile the electronic poll books, no need to take precautions. The campaigns decided to put all their muscle behind getting out the vote and no resources to assure that those votes were counted and counted accurately. This chaos, she writes, is the predictable result of ignoring science. Someone had better get serious about the December runoffs, which will once again be run on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens at the polls and paper ballots that can be tossed out. Uh, too easily. All right. Speaking of the consequences of ignoring science, uh, a quick break here, and Desi Doyen will join us for the latest Green News Report right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Of course, we are not only your democracy-ignored headquarters, <laughs> we're also your climate change-ignored headquarters, uh, which plays a crucial part in today's latest Green News report. Home after home, neighborhood after neighborhood, completely destroyed. The death toll continues to rise as California wildfires rage on. We have a real challenge here. Uh, threatening our whole way of life. While state officials grapple with preparing for tomorrow's disasters. Climate change may impact male fertility, new study shows. Plus, we kind of just got to roll up our sleeves and do it ourselves. And and if we want to make this change, we have to do it. New Democrats push old guard to take bold action on climate change. All of that bold action and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And at a time like this, it is hard to know the right thing to say but for the wrong thing to say let's check the president's twitter feed (laughs) let's not you're welcome this is your green news report okay 
Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm sorry to say we have to start with more grim news coming out of uh, California out here. Yes, those three devastating wildfires in both northern and southern California. As of airtime, the fires have killed nearly 60 people statewide, Mm. with at least 80 still listed as unaccounted for. The historic Camp Fire in northern California is now the nation's deadliest wildfire in over 100 years. Victims have filed the first lawsuit of what is likely to be many against electric utility Pacific Gas and Electric, alleging negligence by PG&E in maintaining their overhead power lines. The state's seasonal rains have still not materialized, and no rain is in the forecast through at least Thanksgiving. Do we know now, in fact, that it was the PG&E power lines that sparked these fires? Not yet. An investigation is underway it does seem likely. Repeated devastating wildfires over the last few years have pushed California officials to begin the monumental task of adapting the state's infrastructure, emergency response, and its insurance sector to grapple with more frequent extreme weather disasters caused and made worse by man-made global warming and the resulting public health emergencies and the long-term economic costs of recovery. In an interview with CBS News, fire concerns consultant and former Sacramento Fire Chief Kurt Henke said those meetings began a few months ago. We are working, of course, together with both the insurance industry, the utilities industry, all stakeholder groups to try to figure out how to address these new uh, dramatic uh, climate-driven events that are going to be the new norm uh, that we're going to be dealing with for the next 50 to 100 years. In my humble opinion, it is a conversation that folks in every state should be demanding from their elected officials. Meanwhile, global warming may reduce male fertility, cutting sperm counts in half due to higher temperatures, at least for beetles. A U.K. study found that in the lab, simulated heat waves damaged the sperm of insects. Repeated heat waves made them nearly sterile, and the damage could be passed down to the beetles' offspring. Well, thankfully, it's only beetles. Well, a different study found that male sperm counts are declining and climate change may be to blame. Oh. And a different study on top of that recently found that populations of flying insects have declined by more than 75 percent over the last 30 years in Germany, but the researchers say more study is needed to determine if global warming is a factor there. In other news, a high-ranking Trump Environmental Protection Agency official has been indicted in Alabama on charges related to his previous job as a consultant. EPA Region 4 Director Trey Glenn, a Trump appointee, was indicted this week on state corruption charges for working to prevent a severely polluted Birmingham neighborhood from being added to the federal Superfund list because it would have forced the industries responsible for the pollution, his clients, to help pay for the cleanup. Has this wildly corrupt EPA official resigned? Not yet. Of course not. And in Washington, Democratic Congresswoman-elect Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York joined dozens of climate activists with the Sunrise Movement at a sit-in at the office of House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi on Tuesday. The protest was in support of forming a congressional select committee for a Green New Deal to begin the process of crafting concrete, evidence-based climate action legislation that is equal to what scientists say is necessary. Ocasio-Cortez responded to critics of the Pelosi protest saying it's intended to bolster Democrats' ambition to act on climate change. This is an encouragement of her, and this is to show that we're here to back up bold action and that uh, she, you know, that she will be supported in that. 
I think Nancy Pelosi can use all the support she can find right now. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you. Sort of ironic, right? Irony, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I got it, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Desi Doyen. We do have an update, by the way, on that EPA guy, the uh, Trey Glenn, the Trump Administration Environmental Protection Agency official for the Southeast, who had uh, he has now been arrested. Wow. On Alabama state ethics charges uh, in the scheme to help a coal company avoid paying for toxic waste cleanup. He was booked into a jail in Birmingham on Thursday. He was then released on thirty thousand dollars bond. He oversees the EPA operation in eight states. And he still hasn't resigned. Uh, As far as we know, he's still the EPA's top official in the Southeast. But at least now he's been booked. Hey, you know what? The top law enforcement official in Texas, Attorney General Ken Paxton, he just won re-election despite being charged on three counts of security fraud felonies. And the Republican Attorneys General Association just made him their director. So, you know, that law and order Republican Party, that's who they are these days, I guess. All right. Got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog, and uh, we'd like to be there for you as long as we can. That's only due to those people who stop by bradblog.com/slash/donate. If you can do that today, it's greatly appreciated. Bradblog.com/slash/donate, so we can be there for you on your public airwaves. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I'll